In the reading of your word, may we be given light to see. May your word rest in our hearts and minds, and in so doing, transform us into your faithful people. Amen. Today's reading comes from the Old Testament, Psalm 139, verses 1 through 12, and verses 23 through 24. Again, Psalm 139, verses 1 through 12, and verses 23 through 24. Hear the word of the Lord. O Lord, you have searched me and known me. You know when I sit down and when I rise up. You discern my thoughts from far away. You search out my path and my lying down and are acquainted with all my ways. Even before a word is on my tongue, O Lord, you know it completely. You hem me in behind and before and lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is so high that I cannot attain it. Where can I go from your spirit? Or where can I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in Sheol, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and settle at the farthest limits of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me and your right hand shall hold me fast. If I say, surely the darkness shall cover me and night wraps itself around me, even the darkness is not dark to you. The night is as bright as the day, for darkness is as light to you. Search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my thoughts. See if there is any wicked way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. The New Testament reading comes from Romans chapter 8, verses 12 through 17. Listen for the word of the Lord. So then, brothers and sisters, we are debtors, not to the flesh to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. If by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. For you did not receive a spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received a spirit of adoption. When we cry, Abba, Father, it is that very spirit bearing witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ, if in fact we suffer with him so that we may also be glorified with him. The word of the Lord. Thanks. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. O oh Lord, open our hearts and minds by the power of your Holy Spirit. That as your word is proclaimed, we may hear what you are saying to us today. Now let the words of your servant's mouth and the meditations of our hearts be pleasing in your sight. O oh Lord, our rock and our redeemer. 
through Christ. Amen. Paul wrote this letter, most likely from Corinth, to the Christian churches in Rome where he had yet to do ministry work. His audience was mostly Gentile as opposed to the apostolic Jewish church in Jerusalem. This letter would reflect a faithful understanding of Gentile and Jewish Christian relationships with each other and their mutual spiritual inheritance. There needed to be new and radical views and language that would hold faithfulness to God's chosen people and the new reality of God's saving righteousness in the death of Jesus Christ. Paul speaks of justification being made right before God and its implications to all believers. Romans chapter 5 verses 1 through 5 speaks of peace with God through Jesus Christ because God has poured out love into our hearts through the Holy Spirit. Chapters 5 through 9 speak of an Exodus narrative where the God who brought Israel through the Red Sea is the same God that did for Jesus at the resurrection and who is the same God who has done everything for us. Paul noted that not even the law of Moses alone was enough. Believers owed their faithfulness to the inspiration and power of the Holy Spirit. In Romans chapter 7, verses 7 through 11, Paul offers the duality and difficulty of the law, saying, on the one hand, sin is revealed in the law, which is righteous, while on the other hand, it shows how our flesh sells us into the very bondage the law seeks for us to escape. Paul even gives a personal example of our faithfulness to the flesh using the first person I, who was once alive, died because of sin. He says in chapter 7, verse 10, uh, verse 10 thanks to sin, the law's commandment, which promised life, brought death instead. Having shared what God had gloriously done for them and the revelation, power, and freedom of the Spirit, we enter our text. Paul exhaled and said in verse 12, So then, brothers and sisters, we are obligated not to the flesh, to live according to the flesh, for if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. To die is to die a spiritual death. Spiritual death is living in deception and contradiction to how we should live after what God has done for us in the perfect love in and through Jesus Christ. We grumble and mumble when things don't go our way and are only grateful when they do, even when God has shown us grace repeatedly. We are challenged to owe our grace and gratitude to God and others. I visited uh, Hampton several weeks ago, and as I was rushing to return to Richmond, a small pickup truck followed very closely behind me thought it was a bit rude. He then pulled beside me for a minute, minute, sat there. I figured I would show him my grace and patience by not 
looking at him, by not making any gestures of frustration. As the small pickup truck pulled around and in front of me, thinking all was well, he brake checked me, not once, but twice. He put on his brakes to capture my attention. I then put on my serious face and was prepared to give him the look that would say, this is not the day to play with me. As he slid over into the right lane and I was about to ease, and he was about to ease off onto the ramp, our eyes caught each other as he slowed down and leaned toward his open driver's side window with a million dollar smile and said, hey, Brother Sidnor, my spirit changed immediately. He is a dear fraternity brother I hadn't seen in two years. My wrinkled brow smoothed out and my puckered lips turned to a warm smile. He later texted me that he was smiling and waving for about a mile, trying to get my attention. Sometimes we can be too busy, too preoccupied, and too distracted to appreciate the subtleties of life or to smell the roses. I thought about it later that night, smiling, shaking my head, saying, Holy Spirit, lead me. We've since been texting back and forth, speaking on the phone a couple of times. I guess I can honestly say out of embarrassment, I felt like I owed him. Too often we act more indebted to life than indebted to God's love and grace. As Pastor Nelson said uh, last week in his sermon, we fall short of God's grace. We obligate ourselves to people or things before we engage in prayer. We dedicate ourselves to work before we work for the righteousness of others. Before consulting Christ, we bind ourselves to self-induce or other people's timelines. Our overcommitments and distractions to the flesh can lead to selfishness, unfaithfulness, and ungratefulness. Paul exhorted his Christian audience to live more deeply in the undeniable assignment to be indebted to the Spirit. The text moves on from the chapters and verses focusing on God and his blessings bestowed upon his believers to the responsibilities and obligations of the believer for living out the faith. The text gives three consequences of living indebted to the Spirit. The first is found in verse 13. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. In our own strength, we cannot put down bad habits, poor behavior, or self-centeredness. Thanks be to God, Christ does not call us to go on this journey alone. Only by the power of the Holy Spirit, the misdeeds of the body don't stand a chance. The second is in verse 14. For all who the Spirit of God leads are children of God. To be brothers and sisters in Christ to whom Paul spoke was to reflect their relationship with one another and to reveal to them the special group in whom the Spirit of Christ dwells and the people by whom the Spirit of God leads. The third is verse 15. 
For you did not receive a spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you received a spirit of adoption. As one scholar states it, the pillar of clouds is not leading us back into Egypt. Galatians chapter 4 verses 8 through 11 states, and I paraphrase, now that God knows you, it's crazy to want to be enslaved again. And as a child of God, through the spirit of adoption, believers can draw near to God and cry out, Abba, Father, through the spirit that dwells in them. In God's intimate relationship with us, we are assured as God's own that we are living in the spirit because the spirit bears witness with our spirit that we are who God says we are children of God. We owe everything to God. When indebted to the Spirit, we will lean in and trust that God will guide, guide our steps. Who are you leaning on? How are you demonstrating your love for God? When we lean on the Spirit, we will walk humbly. A humble walk is a grateful walk. It is a walk where the spirit leads. A grateful walk and a humble spirit turn to God first and trust the spirit's movement. A humble heart sees the power in God's word and the weakness in its own understanding. The one who walks humbly finds studying and meditating on scripture a priority they understand the need for renewing and sustaining their faith that their walk will be in wisdom and obedience to God. God's word equips us to battle the deceit of our fleshly thoughts, actions, and fears in our hearts that doubts God's presence and purpose in our lives. When we live indebted to the spirit, we will not sit idly by the world's concerns when others need us to stand walk or talk for them. We are called to put others first, welcoming those lost, homeless, hungry, and in need of hope. We cannot be too busy to see the opportunity to give back to God what we owe, our service and participation. Philippians chapter two, verses one through five says, if then there is any comfort in Christ, any consolation from love, any partnership in the spirit, any tender affection and sympathy, make my joy complete. Be of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. Do nothing from selfish ambition or empty conceit, but in humility regard others as better than yourselves. Let each of you look not to your own interests, but to the interests of others. Let the same mind be in you that was in Christ Jesus. In our humble walk in the spirit, we should live out Christ's love toward outsiders, the unappreciated and rejected souls, which will reveal our sacred indebtedness for what God has done for us.
When the Spirit leads us, we will walk boldly. To walk boldly in the Spirit reflects the risen Lord in our earthly bodies as we engage this broken world. When there are too many pieces to pick up and no one sees eye to eye, we must pray that the Spirit will use us in this time and space in a different way. Like Rome, our country and worldwide, power struggles, ethnic issues, religious differences, hunger, violence, and indifference to human suffering plague our hearts and hurt real people. With social media, we are not so distant from the troubles around us. So often, a destructive and degenerate living as a metaphor for the flesh has been normalized, even for Christians. To walk boldly in the spirit is to go outside our comfort zone to make a difference, feeding people in need, providing shelter and clothing, among the many other things we should do. Stepping outside our comfort zone is more than just being relegated to other places. They can be our home, place of work, and friendship circles. When there is injustice and unrighteousness, or where hope is dim, bold love and presence will prevail. The Spirit calls us to speak up for the marginalized and the weak. When we walk in the Spirit, fear is deflated and defeated. Pastor Joanne and I last week visited several uh, museums in Richmond. We visited the Civil War Museum and the Virginia Museum of the Fine Arts, and we took a tour of uh, the Maggie L. Walker House. We read about the many characters of American history who were bold in their day. Their courage is palpable even today, and we all receive the fruit of their boldness for righteousness. While we remain creatures of the, fret, of the flesh, we are raised to a new life in Christ. When the Spirit leads us, we have been empowered to crucify the flesh and walk in the way of love and compassion for our neighbors, creating a new reality in the world. As debtors to the Spirit, we will walk in victory. We can claim victory in the Spirit because we have a guaranteed divine inheritance. Some folks try to win the lottery to hit it big. If they don't have a legacy, now, I'm not making any particular judgments against anybody playing the lottery, but when we play the lottery, we hope for the luck of the draw. Siblings in Christ, we already have the winning ticket and did not have to pay for it or work for it. Jesus Christ paid the total price for our salvation. The cross is the sign of our victory and the resurrection is the hope of eternal life. I thank God as believers, as heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ, that we do not have to run this race alone. And already having received the victory, we ought to help someone else along the way. 
Who might you encourage today? Your family, your friends, classmates, co-workers, someone you encounter on the street. We are victorious for Christ when we are present with others, uplift our neighbors, or seek to give a helping hand in ways that point to Christ. We walk in victory when we use our gifts and talents to glorify God in worship and the world, and for the glory of God, and not our own. Our victory walk is a walk of faith assured by the Spirit. Brothers and sisters, the wind of the Spirit is still blowing strong, and the fire of the Spirit is still intense to transform our hearts, burn away our sins, and purify our faith. Even in our faithful walk, we are a work in progress. The best kept secret for our Christian journey is to live indebted to God and to know that God will work it out. Walk humbly, boldly, and victoriously in the Spirit. As debtors to the Spirit, we are called to walk like Christ as He walks with us. Wake up in the morning with the Spirit on your mind. Greet your family with the Spirit of peace. Take your cares and worries to God in the spirit of prayer. Come to church with the spirit of worship. When we live by the spirit, we will have a heart that continually pursues God, regularly finds God, and will joyfully serve God. Are you living in the spirit today? Our chains are gone. Our debt is paid. Victory is ours. Let us live starting now as debtors to the Spirit. Amen.